0: Welcome to Talking Points, a ballet and dance podcast where we speak with some of the most extraordinary and famous dancers, artistic directors and choreographers. I'm your host, Claudia Lawson. In this season, we're bringing you 10 beautiful interviews exploring not just the inspiration and career of our guests, but all that other stuff that surrounds ballet and dance. Regrets, Inspiration, bullying, body image, sexuality, lifelong friendships, retirement, and even how to find a new career when the curtains finally close.
1: Okay. Here we go. Is that better?
0: David, can you say five, six, seven, eight for me?
1: Okay, five, six, seven, eight. Three, two, three. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Today I'm speaking with Thank David McAllister. Five, yeah. David is probably the most well known face of dance in Australia. He was born in Perth and he was accepted into the Australian Ballet School as a 17-year-old. He was actually accepted at 15, but his parents made him wait for two years. He graduated and joined the company directly. He then spent the next 20 years as a dancer, most of that as principal, wowing crowds across the globe. His final performance was in Giselle in 2001. And then, three months later, he was named as Artistic Director of that same company it was a bit of a surprise announcement. No one had expected the boy from Perth to take on the company. But for the next 20 years, he then led the company from strength to strength, staging brand new works, touring the company around the world and inspiring a new level of technical brilliance. But he also created a company with meaning, setting up groundbreaking maternity leave policies and health and wellness policies so that dancers could have careers much longer than they could have ever have dreamed. When he left, three of the five principal ballerinas were mothers. In 2020, after 20 years as artistic director and 40 years with the company, he announced his retirement. It was going to be a year of celebrations, but then COVID and like the rest of the world, everything changed. The company closed down last March and they only made it on stage for three performances. David is currently in Helsinki, Finland, where he called me he's on his next adventure, staging the Finnish National Ballet's 100th anniversary performance of Swan Lake. David spoke candidly about his retirement, what COVID meant for him and the Australian Ballet, and his big regret while he was at the Australian Ballet.
1: Hi, so I'm (laughs) actually in a a beautiful apartment in the midst of the Finnish National Opera House. It's the first time I've ever lived in an opera house, but I'm here because tonight actually was meant to be the opening night of the new production of Swan Lake that I'm doing for the Finnish National Ballet. But unfortunately, the government has shut down all performances in Helsinki. So we uh, did the final dress rehearsal last night and Today, we do our final rehearsal and then we pack it all away until January next year. No. Yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry. Uh, Well, Actually, it's been quite wonderful because we have all the way through this time been able to create the production mm-hmm. and we have been on stage, we've seen it with orchestra, but unfortunately we just can't share it with the audience yet. But that's okay. I know it's going to happen in um, January 2022. And the exciting thing about that is it will kick off the centenary of the Finnish National Ballet. So, wow. um, so yeah, it's going to be an exciting night when we get there.
0: Okay, let's wind back. So. Yeah. So I, I actually really firstly want to ask about how you are, because as we all know, you recently ended your forty-year career with the Australian Ballet, but it wasn't the end of an era that we all expected.
1: It's been it's been a funny old time twenty twenty and into twenty twenty one. But look, I really wanted to go out of the Australian Ballet with the same joy and love that I joined. And, Mm. you know, I started at the Australian Ballet School in 1981. And, you know, 40 years later, at the end of 2020, I finished with the company. And while It was a very odd year and all of the things that we'd sort of decided to do to celebrate and and to, you know, mark the the time, I guess, um, were put on hold because of COVID. Well, actually not all of them. We managed to to premiere the beginning of the season in Brisbane in Mm -hmm. February last year. And then we also did the first program in March. We did three shows of the Vault program, which was beautiful. And so we did two world premieres in that time, which was pretty exciting. But... It was a really important year, I think. In, I mean, apart from being a hard year for the dancers and the company and not being able to perform and being off the stage, for me it was a really great opportunity to really connect with life beyond the ballet company and also to have incredibly important moments with the company, you know, going through something that we never thought we would, you know, live through. So I actually had a fantastically wonderful year with the people who I'd worked with for all that time. So it wasn't a terrible time. I guess it was just disappointing that, you know, all of the plans that we made didn't come to fruition. But, you know, I still managed to have a very beautiful farewell at the Sydney Opera House on the Sydney Opera House stage over two nights. And the company was so warm and generous and spent the whole year actually making unusual and interesting ways to to do lovely things for me. So yeah, no I had a I had a wonderful time and and a great exit from the ballet.
0: It's funny. I actually thought about it a lot and wondered if that year of covid actually allowed you to do some of the grieving that maybe would have happened afterwards because it gave you that chance to step back and step away and essentially have to pursue things outside yeah. of the company.
1: You're absolutely right. I mean, you know, because we had those two lockdowns in Melbourne, I had a lot of time just being at home and being separated physically from, you know, the Australian ballet and all of the things that I'd done for the last four decades. Hmm. And it was actually, I actually got through that time and and thought, well, you know, I can do this. And it was sort of like the universe giving me the best long separation I guess and and it and it did take away some of that anxiety of you know what am I going to do and how's it going to be so now it feels very natural and I also still feel an incredible bond with the organization even though you know I'm no longer there I think it's it's the sort of organization that you never leave even though you're not physically there they always make you feel such a part of it which is lovely
0: and so you released an autobiography late last year. Congratulations. I see it's on uh, a lot of bestseller lists. I found it really interesting that you spoke in that about when you let the Australian Ballet chairman know that you were going to leave, that you regretted that as soon as you'd yeah. have, had that conversation, but you didn't say anything and that you just knew you had to process, process those feelings. Mm. Can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, look, it was, I felt like it was a bit like, you know, the seven stages of grieving. The minute Mm. I'd sort of done it, I went, (gasps) what have I done? And I think one of the reasons why I decided to, you know, it was time to go because I knew that it was time to go for myself, but also for the organisation. But it was, you know, one of those, you know, jumping off the cliff moments. But Actually, you know, as we were talking before, I think the COVID time actually really helped me to get through that. And really, honestly, by the time I started telling everyone, I'd actually, I'd gone through that sort of grieving process. And I do think, and I still think it was the right time and the right thing to do. But it was hard because I guess, you know, the Australian valet had been my inspiration from As long as I can remember, you know, it was the reason why I started dancing when I was a little, you know, seven-year-old. So it was a huge emotional departure. You know, I feel like in some ways it was my adulthood has begun, you know, I've stepped Mm. away from the family and I've become a, you know, my own person, which, you know, I I owe so much to the company, but I am actually enjoying that thing of like, oh, I can do whatever I like.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think it's brilliant. But, you know, it's fascinating that you say that you had done your grieving perhaps before everybody else started to find out the news because I often heard last year in interviews that you did, you know, you seemed quite sort of upbeat and chipper about the decision. And I could hear sort of the grief from coming from the yeah. company and the audiences. And and I, I, just from the, what you've spoken about then, you'd perhaps already gone through that process and they were only really just entering it.
1: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I think it was a really good thing because if I had have been making the announcement feeling that sort of sense of loss, it would have actually been really sad. Yeah, I think it was good to be able to process it. And in big institutions like the Australian Ballet, you know, you have to give the organisation so much time to mm. get through, you know, and, and set up all of their processes to find the new person and, you know, set the programming and all that sort of stuff. And I think the other thing that really helped it was when the company uh, decided that David Holberg would be the next director. I was so happy because I knew that he would be a wonderful successor because we were so different and yet, you know, we we shared so many values and so I think that that also made the process so much easier knowing that I was handing it on to someone who I really admired and and who I think will really have the best for the company at heart. So, you know, I think that also helped the process a lot. Do
0: you know, I just wanted to, it's just something personally, but when I read "Saw," I just couldn't believe how many policies that you'd brought to the Australian Ballet that, you know, I guess that's the sort of stuff that, you know, from the outside you really don't see. Just those maternity leave policies and the diversity policies and the body image policies that you brought in, I just feel like that, that was such sort of groundbreaking stuff in that industry that to the outside world no one would have really known about but reading that previously dancers had six weeks maternity leave like for anybody who has had a child would just know that that is so unrealistic even more so if your career was a ballerina. Yeah
1: and I think we were losing our best dancers you know in their early 30s and it was Mm -hmm. just like there's got to be a better way because uh, you know you spend so much time getting to that point and then just when you know you, you know I can understand you know people want to have families and and you know especially for the women but we were like why aren't we helping a bit more? <laughs> why aren't yeah. we making this um, like
0: the Amber Scots and the Lana Jones oh. and Amy Harris, I just think we got to see them okay. further into their careers than we ever would have.
1: And yeah, I just and
0: find I that fascinating to think it would have been nipped in the bud and they would have yeah. had to leave and make that choice to have children. Yeah. Or leave
1: their careers. Exactly. I think of all of the people. I mean, you know, Marilyn Jones did it, I guess, but it mm-hmm. wasn't easy and she had no support. So, you know, and there were, my in my generation, you know, I think of people like Vicky Attard and Miranda Coney and um, that all just left because they couldn't have a child and keep dancing. Yeah, but I was really lucky I got incredible support from Richard Evans, who was our executive director, and the board, actually, because it was all a matter of money. And, you know, as they say, money, money fixes everything. Mm. I think it was really worthwhile and valuable.
0: Oh, yeah, and I heard Amber Scott say that she actually in that sort of late stages of her pregnancy when she was still in the company but doing, you know, non-dancing duties, she learnt so much about the behind the scenes in costumes and production and design that she would have never had any insight into.
1: Well, I think, you know, it, it was a great experience for both sides too because the management loved having the dancers around. I mean, all of a sudden they understood, you know, the rigours of what, you know, it took mm. to get the stage too and you know there was so much bonding that happened across the organization and all of the girls uh well, I shouldn't say the girls the women who who had that experience when it was time for them to go back to the studio everyone in the office was like no don't go back, <laughs> <laughs> <Stay>. <laughs> but you know they just loved having that that you know that absolute expertise with them 24 7 because uh, I guess you know the dancers time is always so so precious that you know they They don't get a lot of time to sit around and, you know, chat and, you know, share their experience of what it's like to be a dancer.
0: And the other thing that I read in your book, which, again, just a fascinating insight into you, was your regret at not producing a full-length Australian work.
1: Yeah, my one big sort of secret river, the ballet I never did it. Yeah.
0: But tell me, because did the did the dream come partway through the 20 years or it just uh, creatively never came together?
1: Look, I think it, you know, for the first couple of years, to be quite honest, I was, you know, I was, you know, just kicking like hell to keep my head above the <laughs> But I think, yeah, it was sort of around the time of when we were preparing, I guess, the 50th anniversary. I was like, you know, come on, this is something that we should do. And... We did a big search. We did uh, this sort of choreographic competition where we put it out there, you know, pitch your best idea for, you know, an Australian work. And, I mean, there were some nice ideas, but nothing that really had that wow factor. Mm -hmm. And Nicolette, Freon, our music director, and I were constantly on the look. We were reading books, seeing plays, doing the whole thing about, okay, you know, what's that story? And I always thought it was going to be an immigration story. I mean, we couldn't really touch... The history of the first nations history of australia because you know that's not our story to tell really and also as a european art form i mean we've done great work with bangara but we sort of felt that you know that was something that was a bit out of our our um remit but from the european settlement and then on you know the history of Australia and you know well all of Australia really has been about immigration and we tried lots of different ideas but nothing quite landed but anyway I I handed that mantle on to David so he I said to him here's the one thing that I never quite got together so I'll be seeing if he's a bit more successful than I was.
0: I feel like there could be some sort of special artistic director role for you with that because now that everybody knows there's this little this dream.
1: If there's something I'll definitely be pitching the idea to David I mean not that I'd want to make it or anything in fact I did get a pitch from one of the boys in the company, actually, for a ballet that I went, oh, did that's you? a good idea. But it was sort of around the time that I was announcing my departure. So, But I did say to him, I think that's a really good idea and you should pitch it to David Holberg. So <laughs> maybe, maybe that might happen.
0: And So how long before you jet off to Finland?
1: So yeah, my last official day at the company was the 18th of December and then on the 6th of January, so it was about two weeks, I was on the plane and weirdly, I mean, you know, going on an international flight, which, you know, with my job was quite sort of commonplace, but After 18 months of not going anywhere, it was quite exciting to get on a long haul flight, but such a different experience with, you know, going through all these airports that were basically shut. And I felt very privileged to be able to come to Helsinki and to come to the Opera House, which was actually working. Everyone was here. I mean, we've done the whole production With masks on, which I take my hat off for dancing for, you know, sort of six hours a day with a a mask on. But yeah, it, it was really, it was very exciting to get on the plane. I was a little, not apprehensive about COVID, but just thinking, gosh, you know, am I going to be able to do this? Everything I've ever done has always been you know created at least has been with the Australian Ballet but the Finnish National Ballet welcomed me with open arms and and it's been such a an honour and a pleasure and and so exciting I mean you know I've had days where I felt like oh what am I doing but we've now finished the production and and I'm really proud of the results so yeah no it's been, it's been great.
0: And so was it strange to work with new dancers?
1: Yeah I, I've got to say that first day I was a little bit nervous and trying to learn everyone's names and and I've got to, the other thing that's so weird, because everyone is in masks, I sort of had an, of two God. eyes and, you know, and the top of a nose to, to get to know everyone. Um, and there were times actually where I'd be in the cafeteria and I'd sort of see some of the dancers. I'd go, oh, wow, that's how you look. Because you know, they'd be eating and have their face mask off. I couldn't believe how quickly They made me feel at home. And I think when you're all in a studio together creating something, you know, that alchemy happens and, you know, you very Mm. quickly get sort of assumed into the, you know, into the, into the new family, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and and it is, has been really wonderful. This company has such a long history. I mean, you know, almost double the Australian ballet. And it's a Scandinavian or Nordic country. They have a very different experience. They all live and work in the opera house. Well, not live, but I mean, all of their their time is spent in this house. And so, The whole organisation knows each other, you know, from the opera company to the technical area to the music and the orchestra. So, What do you mean? So
0: everybody lives in the opera house?
1: Well, they actually don't live here physically, but, you know, they work and perform and... Oh, I see. I'm in the Opera House. I'm actually staying here because they have these two beautiful apartments for guests who come. But, you know, Incredible. It, but, but it's a very different environment to what, you know, we're used to in Australia where, you know, we hire the theatre and we go there and we perform all over Australia and we work at the ballet centre. Everything that we normally do happens in this one building. It's quite amazing. All the props and sets and costumes and workshop and everything is in the Opera House. So yeah, it's been really fascinating dipping into a different world of the way, you know, ballet company operates. And was there Um,
0: language barriers?
1: Luckily, all rehearsals here are done in English because um, Finnish Finnish and Swedish are the two national languages of Finland. Mm -hmm. But because Finnish is... Not spoken that widely outside Finland, and yeah. the company has many different nationalities. The, the The working language is English, so it it made it very easy. I felt, you know, like I wasn't the only one that speaks.
0: <laughs> and I also heard you say that you were trying to put aside your Australianness to recognise and celebrate their Nordic heritage.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because I really wanted this production, because it was for the centenary of, you know, the company, I wanted it to have a really strong feeling of Finland. And so we actually set the white axe in a sort of a Nordic snowy world. And in fact, in the end of Act 4, where there's this pit that we always call the storm, we actually have snow falling And interestingly, swans are the national bird of Finland. So it's got a very close relationship to
0: Wow, I I feel like that won't be widely known.
1: (laughs) No, well, I didn't know it until I started doing a bit of research. And that swans stay on the water in Finland until the ice actually freezes over. When I first arrived, they still had swans on the the lake Mm, here in front of the opera house. So we've set it in this sort of environment and I've never had that experience of living in an environment like that. So it has been a real learning experience for me. And, you know, I do feel as if I've had this experience of of what, you know, um, this time of the year is. And so, yeah, I feel like, I'm on a little sort of Nordic adventure myself, as well as taking Swan Lake down that path as well.
0: And so now that the rehearsing has finished, will you leave Finland? So you may actually be stuck there.
1: (laughs) I've got my original flight booked back to Australia and um, I've actually, it's changed about three times, but uh, (laughs) one can't ever be, you know, hundred percent in these times. Um, Yeah. It's, it's back to my freelance world, but I will be coming back actually to Finland a couple of times because They are doing Lucas Jervy's Spartacus, which Mm -hmm. the Australian Ballet premiered in 2018. And um, Lucas has asked me to help him stage it. So that'll be fun. And then I'll be back again in January 22 for the premiere of Swan Lake. So so I've still got a little bit of my Finnish odyssey to go.
0: (laughs) And what else for you now?
1: Well, I've got some really lovely things. Um, people keep asking me to do, you know, nice things. So I'm doing some teaching at the McDonald College when I get back to Sydney. I'm doing some things for Saw, um, mm-hmm. the book. i doing a couple of talks and literary sort of events. And I'm also doing some things with the Australian Ballet School and the Australian Ballet Regional Tour. So, yeah, so I'm still sort of in a studio here and there being creative and, yeah, it's going to be really a fun year.
0: It actually sounds like a dream.
1: Yeah, it's going to be lovely. I, I now get to do all the fun stuff without, you know, the big responsibilities. Yeah,
0: completely. Uh, <laughs> it's just so good to touch base and hear how you've emerged from the Australian Ballet and just to hear how well it's going.
1: Yeah, look, I, I, I feel very blessed to have had my time at the Australian Ballet and to have... Experienced, you know, one of the most rewarding jobs that you could have, both as a dancer and then as the artistic director. Leave the company still feeling as much joy as I had when I was there, and now embarking on this this life that is sort of like a you know a beautiful uh, tasting platter of lots of other experiences. So yeah, no, I feel I feel very lucky.
0: And so, any other snippets into your life that we should know about before we sign off?
1: No, I don't think so. No, I feel, you know, that if I haven't said it in the book, it's not worth saying.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So we should all go and read Saw What did you post on Instagram? I saw a couple of days ago. You've been
1: shortlisted for... Shortlisted for the Australian Biography of the Year.
0: Australian Biography of the Year.
1: Actually, it's not been shortlisted, it's longlisted. So there's eight biographies which will then get short and down to a shortlist. But I was so... Yeah, amazed, actually, to be in that group of people that included um, Malcolm Turnbull and Nick Cave and a whole lot of mm. really important Australians. So I was like, wow, that was an incredible honour.
0: I bet you didn't think as a 12, 13-year-old boy that you would be writing autobiographies and staging Swan Lake in Finland. And
1: I tell it's... you, I thought the productions I did on the back veranda was the highlight. It was going to be the best it ever got, but it, just, it was just the beginning.
0: Wow. Thank you so much, David McAllister. Um, It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Great pleasure. Thanks. Thanks, David. Bye.
0: Bye. David is now back in Australia. To read more about his life, his autobiography is called "Saw: A Life Freed by Dance. And to continue to follow his adventures, he's also on Insta at David McAllister, Daisy MC. I called David from Sydney, the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, to which we pay our greatest respects. Talking Points is produced by Fjord Review. Remember to subscribe to get the latest episodes and if you like us, please leave a five-star review. On our next episode, you'll hear from former principal ballerina Lana Jones. And ballet dancers feel like you don't have the qualifications to get in anywhere after ballet. Mm -hmm. But I was so blown away when I got that email back. It was full on for me. Put me in front of 10,000 people and no problem. Sit me in front of a biology exam and I am a mess. Your host and producer is me, Claudia Lawson. Additional production by Penelope Ford with editing and sound production by Martin Peralta. And for the latest in all things dance, head to fjordreview.com. This episode of Talking Points is sponsored by Eco Dancers. Eco Dancers is the first Australian designed dancewear brand made from completely sustainable, recycled, and environmentally friendly fabrics. Their poppy tutu is made from 16 recycled water bottles, and their cup leotard uses 14. Eco Dancers is proud to offer all Talking Points listeners a 10% discount. Just use the discount code turtles at the checkout. So let's dance a little lighter because our choices echo.